This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind, Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on. Well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fakethenation and use the code fakethenation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode two. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we recognize national holidays like Thanksgiving. So this week for Thanksgiving, we have a wonderful set of two conversations from the Fake the Nation vault that we have been saving for this very moment. Uh, So without further ado, buckle up for topic number one. And for this topic, I'm joined by comedian and host of Tell Me Everything. It's the wonderful John Fugel saying, hey, John. Hey, Nikki. And I'm also joined by host of the excellent show As She Rises. It's Grace Lynch. Hey, Grace. Hey, Nikki. Uh, and today we're going to talk about some of the disparate ingredients that when baked together make the lasagna that is America. First... There's a 13-year-old pug named Noodle uh, that everyone is following on TikTok as a kind of horoscope. Uh, Do you follow this pug, Grace? Yes. Is Noodle (laughs) the most important thing in my life right now? Yes. Do I take Noodle's word for to be uh, sacred? Yes. Um, Is this derived from a lifelong obsession with pugs specifically? So much so that when I was 13 years old, I made myself a fleece blanket that had a Andy Warhol style print of pugs on it. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Maybe I still have it. I don't know. But 
Uh, I love nothing more than a squishy pug face and a squishy pug face that also may or may not have bones. That's what... <laughs> That's what life's worth living for. Now, I'm glad you mentioned Bones. For listeners who don't know about this uh, huge cultural phenomenon, um, the thing that that Noodle does is uh, he'll wake up in the morning and either get up or not get up. And if he gets up, then it's a Bones day, which means he can have Bones. He'll eat a bone or whatever, chew on a bone. And if he doesn't, it is a no bones day. A bones yes. day is a very good day. Google uh, yes. saying, what, have you, what do you make of, of noodle? Well, I'm a big groundhog day aficionado. And um, so here's what I've learned. Uh, I check every morning and here's what I've learned. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Whether he gets up or does not get up, uh, it always means I have too much free time. Now, uh, that's what I've learned. This is the pug of privilege, the privileged pug. This is the first world. And I just want to yeah. give a moment when uh, when 40% of the world population are not active internet users. Mm, uh, there is a level of privilege involved in even knowing this shit. And having said that, I get the appeal. Uh, we are Rome with TikTok pugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so noodle, a sign of a declining empire. Yes. Um, now, but, there, but an adorable <laughs> declining empire. Don't get me I'm wrong. Fine with I'm, it. I'm, I'm here absolutely for it. fine with it. Oh, yeah. now, I just also want to say when we talk about declining empires, like like Denmark was a huge colonial uh, power and is no longer right. There was an empire there that declined. Belgium. Same thing. They used to control lands far and wide. They don't anymore. I would say it's still delightful to be Belgian, you know? You're happier than so, us. You know, I'm just saying declining empire might not be so bad. Maybe we could focus on our chocolates and our Thank watches you. or whatever yes. they do. Look at the happiness index of both nations. I mean, Off the Belgians, you know. They waffle, but uh, but in, hey, in, in, come on, in, ladies and gentlemen, let's just a moment for that joke. Thank you, Fugel. Saying, yeah, thank Continue. you. Let it land. Yeah, I'm here for the shame. I'm, I was raised Catholic, <laughs> but uh, but you know, look at the American dream is now the Scandinavian dream. I mean, they have a greater level of happiness than we do because they have a stronger social safety net. Nobody is having GoFundMe's to pay for their health care. No one is going into decades of debt to get the education they need. People who break the law are not sent to become a murderer cage zone. They're actually in reformatory prisons. The culture is healthier in every way, and they're a happier people. But we have a cute pug on TikTok every morning. <laughs> and I feel like it's worth saying it's a really cute pug. Like, really cute. Really just – it's giving so much energy and life and and just – joie de vivre in every video. I just – and also shout out to the lovely owner who is narrating these. It's a great – it's a great product. Can I say also that Governor John Bell Edwards of Louisiana, I'm assuming he's a Republican. Do you know? I think he's a Republican. He's a Democrat. Oh, he's a Democrat. No, then, then, I'm so uh, sorry. I thought he was. He's, I don't know. He's a Democrat? I thought I, he was, I'm, but. You know what? I, I don't probably, know. I look at videos would, of pops. I, I, no, I, just, I just Googled it. It didn't immediately show up. So I was just like, no, I have he's no a idea. Democrat. Okay, he's yeah. a Democrat, folks. Uh, he used Noodle um, as as a way to motivate people in his state to get a COVID-19 vaccine yeah. um, and to preside over a declining uh, one of the states of a declining American empire. Um, and uh, the NHL's Colorado um, uh, hockey team, uh, Avalanche, no, sorry, they're called the Col- Col- Colorado Avalanche. I know so much about yes. hockey, which is why I'm talking yes. about this right now. They uh, had a loss 
um, on a particular game night, and they called that a no-bones day. So noodle has infiltrated many aspects of American life. Maybe uh, that means that eventually we'll get health care, <laughs> just universal health care. <laughs> um, okay, now here's... Um, my next question, uh, my next cultural phenomenon that I'm bringing to you, apparently there's a fashion um, trend that's going around where people are dressing like storybook characters. So I read about this story in Refinery29 of a woman who basically moved her entire family to Orlando, Florida, so she could go to Disney World many, many, many times a week. Um, and she goes there for mental health reasons. It's a place she feels alive and she, feel good, she feels good about herself. And, that's, and she also dresses like a storybook character. Fashion people have called this particular phenomenon Disney bounding. Um, and uh, that's, uh, that's actually part of a larger trend um, that has been, you know, where we're looking at people in princess fashion. Um, it's called, some people are calling it cottage core. Other people are calling it angel core. Or those are just subsets of this particular trend. Um, have you seen it? And what do you think? Grace. I, ha- I have seen it. I think that it's a natural reaction to COVID in the last year plus we've all endured. <laughs> yeah, like, please, yeah, I'm so, uh, this is, I want, what is the line between a global pandemic and mm. fair, dressing like a fairy tale princess? This yeah. is, I want you to paint this picture. Great. I think it's a linear straight shot. <laughs> <laughs> we all hunker down inside yeah. for almost two years. We're wearing sweatpants. No one's putting on makeup. No one's shaving. It's dark days. We finally are kind of let out into the light. And what is the polar opposite? Fairy tale, whimsy, princess, pretend. Mm, we need to right. feel alive again, Nagin. And people, of <laughs> course, are seeking that through their fashion, which they've do- always done as a way to respond to the time. So I think this is a desire for lightness and whimsy and for things not to be so serious and dark and dismal. And while I am deeply suspicious of anybody who feels the need to go to Disneyland or Disney World all the time. I I do think that this is a natural byproduct of this the dark ages we've just been in. It's like it's like our version of the of the like in the roaring 20s it was flapper mm-hmm. outfits. And now it's yeah. um, princess outfits. That's kind of well, the, no. Except uh, in, in the Roaring Twenties, that everybody was wearing flapper outfits. That was the style of the day. They weren't wearing Belle Epoque, you know, costumes from the previous century. Right, 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 um, right. Well, yeah. I, so I actually think flapper outfits make more sense as yeah. a response to, you know, pandemic and economic destruction. I do too. Uh, because but I think, hot. I think, but but I, I actually think that Grace is half right on this because I do think that. This is a, a response to the pandemic, but I think it's a response to people staying home in a pandemic and binge watching Bridgerton. I think that this is, uh, that <laughs> it is. Bridgerton it is. is a there gateway is. drug to adults dressing like Victorian <laughs> characters. And the sooner we can discuss this in a culture, the better off we'll be. I mean, look, maybe they're just subconsciously crying out to bring back a monarchy. That's always very possible as well. But, you know, I mean, is there anything sillier to wear than a necktie? I mean, when you think about it, um, it, it's a man ribbon. It's not a, it's a man ribbon. It's a man ribbon. And men wear ribbons. Men learn how to wear special man ribbons to show how important (laughs) they are. And you're telling me this is sillier than that. 
Oh, it totally is a man ribbon. By the way, I read about this in a Refinery29 piece by Francis Sola Santiago. And one of the points that they made was that that this is also a form. No, I don't know where this lands in your Bridgerton theory, where this is also a form of feminism. Grace, does this strike you as a form of feminism? I love (laughs) making an abstract (laughs) argument for why something is feminist. Uh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And here's where I'll go with it. (laughs) I think that because the time in question, women are usually painted as damsels in distress. In the monarchy situation, they don't hold any power. They're just walking around trying to look pretty, trying desperately to attract someone who's going to be financially responsible for them for the rest of their lives. It's always this performance of my femininity in order to, like, preserve my sanity and so for women to reclaim that intentionally and purposefully themselves to say, sure, I can look fabulous and feminine all I want, but I bought this dress and I, or I made this dress for myself and I'm choosing to wear this, not because I need a monarch, but because I'm independently have the means to support myself. You should go into politics. That was the most beautiful spin <laughs> I have you. ever heard for a feminist read on uh, cottage core. Um, all right. I, I actually, I consider it cultural appropriate. And I think that dead Victorian <laughs> women should be very offended and cancel these pretenders. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our third and final uh, cultural phenomenon. So there was a study of 485 serial killers. Uh, and it found a correlation between serial killers and their astrological sign. So my question to you is, who do you think is the top of the serial killer list for astrological signs? It's absolutely Scorpios. That's right. And maybe you know that because I sent you the article. No, but no. I, I knew you that knew. prior to the Tell, article. Okay. <laughs> Tell me, what is it about Scorpios that makes them the most serial killer of the serial killers? I want to be really clear at the top. I'm an Aquarius. That feels like something I should disclose. Second, (laughs) my father is a Scorpio. My partner is a Scorpio. The vast majority of my friends are Scorpios. Okay. Some of your best friends are Scorpios, right? So yes. 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 I don't piss them off. I don't piss them off. (laughs) No, 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 please judge away. Judge Scorpios. I think my like long leaping rationale for this because mostly it would just be a branding thing. Scorpios have a horrible brand. But if the, but since this is actually true, my like random leap for it would be that Scorpios tend to have really intense emotions. They're known for being moody. They're known for being volatile. They're known for keeping things like really tight, bottled up, really deep down and really letting it fester. And I imagine that that could result in random acts of violence, if not properly checked. Yeah, apparently they're no. This is in the uh, New York Daily News article I read. Um, so really high, high science here. Um, they wrote that Scorpios are known for um, their weaknesses are violence, manipulation and jealousy. <laughs> That's also prone uh, to secrecy, which would be pretty pivotal for also being that a se- will, serial killer. But, okay, so fugal sign. Here's one thing. Um, oh, wait. Our producer is weighing in on this um, by oh. saying that this is not true. There is uh, much slander here. I feel attacked. <laughs> Danielle, our producer, is a Scorpio. I want to say for the record that as far as I know, not a serial killer, though I don't know everything about her. So we're just, the jury's still out. Well, but um, here's the, okay, but Danielle, you may happy to be happy to know this. 
which Scorpios have, um, there are more numerous, they are more numerous, uh, when it comes to serial killers. However, the sign that has killed the most. Gotta get to it. Uh-huh. Here it is. Capricorns. They've actually yeah. murdered more people. Fugel saying, why do you think that is? They, they murdered more people and they did it efficiently before the workday ended. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. they did. And they kept it under budget. All of their mass killings were under budget. So right, I, right. Better workflow Capricorns, management. Seriously, like they're not the most sociable of serial killers and you wouldn't be friends with one, but you want one in your office. They will get they will get the killing done on time. And uh, so I was interested to see that uh, Sagittarius was one of the four because that means I'm serial killer rising, which I didn't know before. Yes. This um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, I actually think most likely we'll find out one day that it's actually uh, Gemini's who are doing all the serial killing, but they're so good. Uh, they made us think it was these other four groups. And that's what a proper sociopath would do. I know two Gemini's that got married and now they're legally in a four-way relationship. So I'm just saying, it's science, people. It's science and astrology, I find has the same accuracy record as all the world's great religions. I want to say that, so Gemini, Taurus, and Virgo came out as the lowest um, ones on the totem pole. Uh, uh, though Jeffrey Dahmer, it should be noted, was famously a Gemini. Uh, I want to know. He was so though, much more than a serial killer, Nagin. You forget that. <laughs> um, I don't mean to make him so two dimensional. Uh, but I, I want to point out that Aries were just not even mentioned in this article. They're mm-hmm. so sort of middling on the list. Uh, and I'm a, an Aries. Um, so I, I could, I could not be. You know what I mean? I don't have a particular one way or the other with me. I'm just middling, uh, which is a great spot in a stand-up set because there's less pressure. Um, now, as exactly. a serial killer, I don't know where where that is. You set your own bar when you kill people in great numbers, Nikki, and you decide, and you're not going to be defined by people who are more prolifically murderous than you or, or less violent than you. Uh, Grace, any final thoughts on this? I guess my final thought is that with... Uh, President Joe Biden, Scorpios have also taken the lead on the most prolific sign for U.S. presidents. They just knocked Aquarius, my my people, out of the running. Um, so I'm not I saying not there's that. Okay. I am not saying there is a connection, but I'm not not saying there's a connection. <laughs> that is such an Aquarius thing to say. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, where are you on this serial killer astrological spectrum? Uh, Let me know. Um, All right, Grace Lynch, I want people to be able to follow you and all the stuff that you do. Where do they do that? You can find me on Twitter at Grace Lynch 8 And don't forget to subscribe to Ashy Rises, Grace's wonderful podcast on the Wonder Network. It is so fabulous. John saying, where do people find you? Every night on SiriusXM Progress, which you can listen to as a podcast the next day through the uh, Pandora merger, or my podcast, The Sanity Cast, um, at John saying on Twitter. Uh, my Facebook page is still held hostage and coming soon to a town near you because it's nice to be back on the road again. And folks, if you haven't seen John Fugelstein perform live, do this for yourself because it is one of the most fun times you could possibly have. Um, Let's take a quick break so we can hear about our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll say other things. 
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by AuraFrames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an AuraFrame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these AuraFrames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an AuraFrame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back and we're ready for our final topic. All right. For this next topic, we are joined by podcaster and comedian Sina Ghaznavi. Hey, Sina. Hey, great to be here. And we're also joined by comedian and host of the podcast Race Wars, Sherrod Small. Hey, Sherrod. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so we read a piece in Current Affairs magazine called Who Actually Gets to Create Black Pop Culture by Bertrand Cooper. And in it, he points out that of all the industries that really need to see more change and more racial equity, the industry that seems to have stepped up the most is film and television. Yet the black people representing the black community in film and television are, I mean, for another, you know, lack of a better word, rich. He writes a uh, quote, a closer look at the economics of black pop culture reveals that most black creators outside of music come from middle to upper middle class backgrounds, while the black poor are written about but rarely get the chance to speak for themselves. Yeah. So, um, Sherrod, uh, I happen to have noticed that you're black. Wait, um, what? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh-oh, shit just got controversial. Um, I thought he was Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Sherrod, what do you, I mean, first, have you noticed a change? Like how, how much credit do you give film and television for the, the shift in, in diversity? And do you see this um, to be the case that like, 
if you are from yeah. upper and middle class, you have more yeah. access to being in that pipeline. Of course, because first of all, you got better school, you want a better school, you got uh, better opportunities maybe for further education and like, you know, go do the arts and stuff like that. But um, what, let's look at gentrification. Let's, let's start there. Okay. The are not white people. They're black people who have better opportunities than the local blacks who moved in. They look just like you, but you don't know that's them. You don't know they're from somewhere else. They could be right. from Chicago or Pennsylvania or somewhere else, but living in Harlem or Brooklyn, but you don't call them a gentrifier because you they look like you. But it's the same with art. It's like black artists and cultures getting gentrified, gentrified, but not just by white people, but by other black people. Like telling other people's stories because they got the opportunity to tell the story that maybe they can write it out better, but it's not exactly their story. It's like them dissecting something they, they were had access to. Right, but I don't right. see a problem with it, but I think you got to also remember who you getting this from, like where you fishing all this stuff from. So you got to give them the opportunity to tell their own stories. And then just because you're black don't mean that you, you're you every black person. You could have went right. to a private school, you could have went to a public school, could have went to no school. But that don't mean that your story is not worth telling. But I think some people like in middle class or upper class and any race or whatever, ethnicity has a better chance of telling those stories because they have the more opportunities. One one thing he said, I thought beautifully, he said, I, I accept that Floyd's final suffering becomes a political currency for the many, but I struggle with the fact that it purchases opportunities for the black middle and upper classes without securing a pen or a publisher for the children of CUNY Homes, a project in Houston, without an expectation yeah. that it should and without condemnation that it doesn't. Uh, and right. I thought, I, I, I mean... I think, it, like, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I feel um, that was beautifully put. But, Sina, do you the, – the, the funny thing is, you know, we're Iranian. I, I, I noticed that about both of us. Um, and I would say this is probably true for, like, basically every ethnic group, right? That it's yep. going to be – because entertainment is – uh, it has so many barriers to entry financially that if you don't have some kind of safety net, you're not going to be able to write shit for Netflix or whatever. I mean, what do you like think? Like Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire. Right. No, right. the story of the Slumdogs, but ain't no Slumdog right that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it is. It does make me think the barriers are entry. If I think about where hip hop kind of originated from, from sound system yep. culture, from turntables and from freestyling over that music, the barrier to entry to, to produce a show or to, to entertain people uh, was a lot lower then. And then all of a sudden culture is what kind of uh, bubbled up and got folks in more of the spotlight. The barrier to right. entry to make a movie is always been high. It's always going to be high. A television shows the same thing. So I think that's why we're kind of in that space. It's still democratized to a certain extent with how people can just create a movie on their phone and stuff like that. But at the same time, the real money, the real money is in is in the like kind of the Hollywood system still. And until that kind of shifts, until there's yeah. more kind of like funding for telling those stories from the those authentic writers in those positions to try to get them to rise up. I don't think that's actually going to happen. There's too many people that want to hold on to the power and control that they have now yeah. to actually let yeah. that occur. And frankly, class and economic uh, classes bind us together socially mo much more than race or ethnicity does at the end of the day because Agreed. those economics cross over these racial lines all the time. And that's where I think we could be be talking more about or at least trying to you know promote some of those things. I mean, 
who else is going to do it? And it's funny how some like rap music that was created because our voices wasn't out there, because we were underrepresented in like arts and music, and our like the street voices out there. So that came big. Like if you didn't have rap, you wouldn't have all these breakthroughs and acting, more black people acting and all, more TV opportunities. We wouldn't have that because that voice was getting smothered for so long. But so now you got that voice out there that um, it's like, the same thing that rap began with is the same thing that we got to do the same thing with TV. Like we got to just do guerrilla style. And a lot of people are doing that right now. A lot of people are doing their own stuff. And you got uh, other opportunities like Netflix and Amazons and all that, where you got, it's like, it's loosening the grip on Hollywood, but it's never going to lose its grip totally. Right. And I mean, look at like the, the, this piece was so great. It really, really gave um, a detailed list of uh, making this point, like yeah. out of the 10 long list nominees for the 2020 National Book Award, all 10 were college graduates. Um, yeah. Five went to Ivy League schools. Um, the winner, uh, the, in um, the, the, the winner went to Berkeley, which is not an Ivy League school, but they were like, you know, it's a very competitive yeah. school. Um, you know, 2019, the winner for 2019 went to Yale and Cornell, um, 2018 also Barnard and Columbia. I mean, the, the, the kind of the dominance of top tier schools in these lists is not, and you think it's like, okay, well that's, you're talking about literature, like that's, that might be a separate situation because it's like more highfalutin, but then they broke down the comedy numbers and mm. I kind of, I mean, I think we all, the three of us probably already knew this about comedy, but like, you know, famously Ray Conan O'Brien was president of the Lampoon at Harvard. Like Michael Schur went to, you know, had, yeah. was in the Lampoon at Harvard. Um, yeah. uh, but also Conan, I didn't know this. Conan's dad was a professor at Harvard Medical School. Colbert's dad was a professor at Yale and then St. Louis University. Um, Colbert graduated from Northwestern. Seth Meyers graduated from Northwestern. Like yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus graduated from Northwestern. Amy Poehler went to um, Boston College. Tina Fey went to University of Virginia. Um, it's just like the 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 number of top tier schools in the comedy world, which is funny because I think comedians are out there acting like you know, everyday schlubs, right? We talk about the world as even, even, even someone like, um, you know, I don't know, uh, really obviously rich, like Ellen, um, DeGeneres or, or whoever, Seth Meyers or whatever, they're not telling, they're trying to become, seem more universal and, you know, accessible, right? They're not like talking about their wealth. Um, that's the whole thing with comedy is like, I'm a schlub like you. And they're not schlubs. Yeah. And they're not schlub. And I, I also have to point out, like, I'm also very, I also went to like fancy schools, you know what I mean? Right. And I'm in, and I make a living in comedy. So, uh, and I'm not at that level, but it's like, I went to Morgan State, to make, baby. Morgan State Five, you heard me. But also the fact that you even, you know, I'll talk. So, so this guy talks a lot about like, what about people born into poverty and can we, um, what can we do to get them on the national best, you know, book award lists and stuff right. like that. My husband was born into poverty and homelessness and he's black. And he's one of these people who I think, uh, as an actor, re- I mean, his, his background is incredibly unique in that world, right? Like most of the actors that he ever works with just do not by an order of magnitude, do not have the, the start in life that he did. Um, right. And it's, it's incredibly rare. So to me, it's also a like, 
a pipeline issue. Like if Google wants to say, okay, we want to open a campus, this is just a hypothetical, we want to open a campus in West Virginia and uh, we want a bunch of engineers. West Virginia, give us a bunch of engineers. You know, it it's a, it's a class thing. Like you need, you can't just start yeah. and be like, hey, where are the 25-year-old engineers? It's like, no, 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 you got to start in yeah. elementary school, right? You yeah. need to fund a bunch of educational programs so that yeah. by the time people graduate from college, they can be from West Virginia and able to, you know, and I'm just using West Virginia as a whatever, don't take offense. But anyway, my point is, let's say a rural area. Um, it's a pipeline issue, right, yeah. Cena? Like this, it can't just be like, it's, this takes generations to correct. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's also important not to go back to hip hop again, but our biggest export is is culture. And so much of that is hip hop culture. And it's good to remember where that comes from. Like the world isn't impressed by our Ivy League educated entertainers. The world is yeah. impressed with the stories of people and yeah. the values of people that come from nothing and are able to succeed in America. That is the inspirational story. That is the narrative that, that the world has fallen in love with in America. And what makes the, the power of us globally so strong is our culture. It's not it's not economics that make people wear, you know, blue jeans from America. It's our right. culture. And I think that that's where we can like, you know, and to your point, fund those areas where we're getting the actual reflection of culture in America from. But I also right. think the world is impressed. Well, I think that's the confusing thing because the world is impressed by that. Agreed. But the world is also impressed by people who are not poor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, who are wealthy, like who write yeah. about poverty, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so they exactly. don't know, you like the Slumdog Millionaire example. Um, yeah. So it's this This is the weird thing, you know, uh, is is being adjacent to but not a part of something. And I think the, the you know, this article focuses on black uh, pop culture, but I just, it's everywhere, you know? It's yeah. like, yeah. it's it's absolutely in, ev I feel like it's in every um, you know, racial group because, because entertainment is so you, you know, you think about people who do internships, you know, you think about people who become agents and managers and who, who are able to do, uh, you know, writing assistant jobs or whatever, all of these people can't have a safety net. There's just, that's, you just have to have that in order to do yeah. it. You it's, it's incredibly diff difficult otherwise. So Agreed. I don't know. Final thoughts, Sherrod? Uh, we just got to keep fighting, man. Take one step at a time, one day at a time. And, uh, you know, try, you know, try to you make some uh, progress and then pay it forward to somebody else so they can make more progress. We just, you know, just got to keep the fight the good fight. Yeah. I my my thing is when you if you want to start a real diversity and inclusion program or whatever, start in elementary school. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that by the time <laughs> so that we have a more holistic approach and we're actually getting, you know, people from yeah. different classes. I agree. Uh, all right, folks, what I would really love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the stuff that you do. Sherrod, where do they do that? Yeah, so you can go to smallworldcomedy.com, my website, or go to at Sherrod Small on Instagram and at Sherrod underscore small on Twitter. And my new show on Amazon uh, is called Harlem. Uh, yeah, Tracy Oliver wrote it. It's great. She did a, a girl trip with Tiffany Haddish. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Me, Jasmine Guy, Megan Good. It's a bunch of people. And it's, uh, it's had fun shooting it. Oh, I cannot wait to see that show. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Um, Cena, where do people find you? 
I'm at Cena now on all social media. You could check out fraudsters.fm. It's our website. We just launched it last week. You can find some fun merch down there, like our Cleo 2020 hat from Miss, our Miss Cleo episode. Uh, and you can find our podcast exclusively on Spotify, uh, Fraudsters. Oh, my God. Such a great podcast. Please uh, get thee to a listening station. Uh, and that's it for us at Fake the Nation. I really hope that you're enjoying Thanksgiving, whatever that means to you. Sometimes for me, it means ordering pizza for real. I've done that on more than one Thanksgiving. But for you, I hope you're having a great time um, eating whatever it is that makes your heart sing. Uh, and I would love to thank all of the people that make Fake the Nation possible, like our wonderful producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our fantastic audio engineer, Steph. Stephanie Aguilar, everyone at HeadGum. Uh, special thanks to Gabi Alter, who wrote our theme music. And, um, oh, if you like the show, why don't you leave us a nice review? Let the Thanksgiving spirit take you over into writing a review of Fake the Nation on Apple Podcasts, because it really does help people find the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. Uh, and you can support the show for as little as a dollar. Um, and you can get free uh, bonus episodes for as little as $4 a month. Um, and there's other bonuses that you can get swag, but butts. There's a lot. Go check it out. It's fun. And you can email us at fakethenation.headgum.com with any segment ideas, panelist ideas, or just idea ideas. Again, have a wonderful, wonderful holiday, and we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.